Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. But hey, we uh, we just finished a series called More. And really, this year, we're just, we're believing God for more, man. We're just believing God for more of His presence in our, in our life, more signs, more miracles, more wonders, more breakthrough, come on, more, more, more of Jesus in your life. And so, what I really felt like we needed to do, this series has been on my heart for actually about a year, but I really felt like, you know, there's a lot of things in our life that will rob us from more. You know, a lot of things that will come in and just kind of try to get you satisfied or to get you stale or get you complacent, come on, or just get you to settle. Or there's things in your life that will that will just kind of slow you down, right? Come on, how many are, are with me on that? Like you you probably have things in your life that, that you're dealing with, that you're walking through. And those things, those things are, are like thieves and they're robbers in your life. They're robbing you from joy. They're robbing you from the life that Jesus promised. And so we're going to be spending a lot of time I believe we'll be spending a lot of time in John chapter 10. And so let's just jump in there today. John chapter 10, verse 1, if you want to open up your Bible, turn on your Bible, pull out your note sheet, open up your app, whatever it is, all kinds of ways to get the Word. Word, Isn't it great to live in the future? Come on. You get the Word everywhere, man. We just have it all there for you. So we hope that that you'll uh, seize those opportunities. John chapter 1, verse, John chapter 10, verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, that anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. The sheep listen to his voice. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Aren't you glad that God knows your name? Aren't you glad that you're not just some guy out there doing a routine, you know, just paying the bills and getting by life? God knows your name. So he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I mean, who names their sheep? God does. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know. Everybody say, he knows. Say, I know. I know his voice. I know his voice. Did you know that you can know the voice of God? Did you know that you should know the voice of God, that you should know the voice of your shepherd? And this is what it says. His sheep follow him because, you can only follow if you know his voice, because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We grew up in the 80s. It was, don't talk to strangers. <laughs> we had a little national campaign. Don't talk to strangers. Stranger danger. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand. They were blind to what Jesus was saying. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me, and this is the text for our entire series, all that have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find safe pasture. The thief, 
Verse 10, very familiar passage. The thief. Everybody say, the thief. The thief. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's devil ministry. Steal. God takes. God doesn't take. God's not a taker. It's devil ministry. Steal, kill. It's just their time to go. God doesn't kill. God doesn't destroy. That's the devil's ministry. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life, may have life and life to the full. Some translations say life more abundantly, right? Life of the overflow. In the Greek, it actually means the overwhelming overflowing life. I've come that you wouldn't just have a breathing life, that you wouldn't just have lungs that work and a heart that beats. I've come that you would experience life to the fullest extent to where it's overflowing. That it wouldn't just be enough to sustain you, it actually pour onto those around you. This is the life that Jesus has promised us. And the enemy has a plan too. To steal, kill, and destroy. To rob you of the more. I am, then he says this, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why does he lay down his life for the sheep? So they can experience life and life more abundantly. The overwhelming, overflowing life. Now Jesus gives us two pictures of himself in this narrative. First of all, he says, I'm the gate. And then he says, I am the shepherd. Interesting. So which is it? Is he the gate or is he the shepherd? Yes. The answer is yes. He is the gate and he is the shepherd. In those days, the way they would pin sheep is they would typically either use a cave or they would use like a circle made out of rocks, you know, maybe four to six feet high, depending on resources. There would be a circle out in the field where they kept sheep, and there would be an opening in that circle. This was called a sheep pen. Now, it didn't have an actual gate on it. It just had an opening. I'm tracking. So at night, the shepherd would lead his sheep into the sheep pen and pin them up. The shepherd, if he was a good shepherd, he wouldn't just hire somebody to come watch the sheep. He would watch the sheep well. Jesus gets into that a little bit, talking about hirelings. And the shepherd at night wouldn't sleep with the sheep. He wouldn't go in there and fall asleep. He would actually posture and position himself right at that opening. And Jesus is saying that the shepherd would become the gate for the sheep. If you want to get into the sheep pen, you have to go through the gate. You have to go through. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. If you want to get to the sheep, you got to go through me. So listen, the enemy can't touch you. Can't touch this, right? He can't touch you. He can't get to you if you're part of the fold of Jesus. If you belong to him, if you're his sheep and you've listened to his voice and you've followed him into the sheep pen, he is positioning himself saying, you can't get in here. And he is a capable enough shepherd to when someone tries to come over and leap over the walls, a thief or a robber tries to come in and steal those sheep, he's capable enough to deal with that too. So today I want to talk about how the enemy gets into your life, how he comes in and and steals things and robs things for you because he has no authority in there. There's got to be somebody that's letting him in, and Jesus ain't letting him in. 
Come on. Let me give you a little bit of context. So when Jesus makes a statement in verse 8, those who came before me are thieves and robbers. Now, he's not talking specifically about the devil, but he is talking about devil ministry, right? Thieves and robbers. So when Jesus uses that terminology, thieves and robbers, he's talking, first of all, about those that have come before him. I believe it's Ezekiel talks about this, that many would come and they would pretend to be messiahs. There were many people before Jesus ever came. Maybe you've heard, maybe you've had conversation with with atheists or people that don't, that hate Jesus and his bride and all that stuff, and they bring up all these people that claim to be messiahs also. The difference is, is Jesus is still alive, and they're all dead. So Jesus, Jesus, there were many that came before Jesus that claimed to be messiahs. And then you had all these people, these Judaizers that were there that had this religion. Now, keep in mind, these were the guys that, that everybody looked to. They were the quote-unquote church of the day. They, they ruled the religious system. But the problem was they were taking advantage of people. They, would, they had actually taken the law, and they started adding laws to it. They weren't helping anybody fulfill the law. They weren't helping anybody at all. They were just demanding things, not just the law, but even expecting things above the law. So they're like piling all this stuff on. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're trying to take advantage of people for control, manipulation, and they're getting their money. So when people show up at the temple to offer their, their, their sacrifices to the Lord, what happens is they have all these tables and stuff set up in the temple. You guys remember this. And so they're in there, and they're buying and selling stuff. So when people go to the one-stop shop, right, there they are selling. So when Jesus shows up, you guys remember Matthew chapter 21, verse 13, it says that Jesus walks in to the temple with a whip because he knew what they were doing. He walks in. And they're buying and selling in, in the temple. And what does he do? What does Jesus do? <laughs> hey, guys, let's just kind of come together and pray. No, Jesus starts turning over tables. He starts whip, throw, slinging that whip around. There's, you know, preachers jumping out of every window. I mean, people are freaking out. Jesus throws a holy fit. He throws a holy fit. And what does he say? He said, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. So when Jesus is talking about thieves, he's not necessarily just talking about the devil. He's talking about those who are living in under, under the power of the devil, those that are functioning under a spirit of deception, those that are deceived. So he makes that statement. He says, all who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep... The sheep have not listened to him. Who are you listening to? Listen, if you are struggling to make it through the day, come on, if you are struggling to get through another year, if you just don't know if you can handle your job anymore or your marriage anymore, maybe, just maybe, you're listening to the wrong voice. And I would encourage you today to bend your ear and listen to the one who gives life. My sheep listen to my voice. They know me. Do you know him? Are you in his sheep pen? Does, does, does he have you named as one of his own? I know he knows your name, but he's, does he know your name because you're in his, in his crew, in his, in his posse, in his group of sheep? Are you of his fold? Whose voice are you listening to? So Jesus promises us this life. 
overwhelming, overflowing life. He promises us. But the contingency is this, following, listening and following the voice. Listening and following the voice. And my concern is that many are more familiar with the voice of the thieves and robbers than the voice of the good shepherd. Many of us are more familiar of the voice of our dysfunction, the voice of our despair. Come on, the voice of our discouragement. More, we're more turned in, tuned into the voice of the enemies that would come in and rob than we're tuned into the voice of the good shepherd. And I'm telling you today, if you want the life that Jesus promises, you're going to have to learn to listen, to tune in, and to follow what he says. So why is Jesus giving us all this information. Why is he talking about sheep and shepherds? And well, first of all, he wants you to experience that life. But let me give you a little bit of background. Let's let's track back to to John chapter nine. How many know that nine comes before ten? Oh, they're good at math. All right, chapter nine. There's a story about this young man who's blind. He's been blind from birth, and he heard about Jesus. Jesus is there. And Jesus, may, the, the disciples ask him about his condition. Why is he like this, Jesus? Why is he blind? Did his parents sin or did he sin? <laughs> Jesus is like, well, that's not the right question. He says, neither. The reason why he's blind is so that the work of God would be manifest. You know that the issue in your life might not be because you've done anything wrong or somebody else has done anything right, wrong. It might just be because you're a good candidate for a miracle. So don't stop looking at your issues as, you know, why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why, why don't you just say, I, I don't know why. I don't really care why. <laughs> I just want to get healed. Would that be the desperation? Would that be the longing? So this, this young man is there, and Jesus spits in the ground, makes some mud, and then with that mud, he wipes it on his eyes, and he sends him. He says, go uh, to the pool of, uh, of Sodom and wash yourself. And so he goes and he washes himself in the pool. And then people start spreading the word, man, Jesus came, healed this guy, he spit on the ground. It's kind of gross, but yeah, we'll take it. You know, it healed him. And so the religious people hear about this miracle and they find the young man and they go, hey, what's up? Is Jesus, this man that, that healed you, is he a sinner? Because he healed on the Sabbath. And don't you know how precious the Sabbath is? What, what are you doing, Jesus, working on the Sabbath? He must be an evil man. He's not of God. If he was of God, he wouldn't work on the Sabbath. He'd wait till Monday. If he was really, he would let that guy be blind another day if he was really of God. Good reasoning, right? And so they, they have this discussion. He's kind of like under their scrutiny they're hurling insults at him. They're just, they're all over this dude's case. Like, why did Jesus heal you? Who is Jesus? Who do you think he is? All this stuff. And he's like, whoa, wait a second. This is the famous statement that the blind man makes. Well, he wasn't blind anymore. This is the statement this young man makes. He's like, listen, I don't know. I don't really know who he is. I don't know what his claims are. I don't really know what's going on. All I know is this, guys. Listen, I was blind but now I can see. That's all I know. I don't, I don't really have all the answers. I just know that this is fixed. I can see now. I can see you now. So I don't, I don't have all the details, but I can see. And so they continue to question him. 
And he says, it's awesome. Love it. Holy sarcasm. They're like, tell us, who is he? Who is he? Do you think he's, you know, filling, fulfilling the claims? Is he the Messiah? Yada, yada. He's like, listen, I don't know. He's like, why are you so inquisitive? Why are you asking so many questions? Do you want to be his disciple also? <laughs> and so they get mad and they throw him out. So Jesus hears that he gets thrown out. Now, keep in mind, this is right before he starts talking about sheep and gates and pens. Then Jesus heard, John chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. Come on. Way back in chapter 8, he wouldn't have been able to see Jesus. But now he's able to see him. See, some of you want to be able to see him before you encounter him. But I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to see him that well unless you encounter him first. And listen, this is what Jesus is saying. He said, listen, I know you needed to see. You needed to see me. So I'll fix the dysfunction in your life so you can. You now see me. And in fact, seeing and hearing. Listen, in fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. He worshiped him. He worshiped the I am. He worships God in the flesh. I mean, you know, if Jesus wasn't God in the flesh, what he would have been doing right there would be sinful, and Jesus would have rebuked him. But Jesus received the worship. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world. Woo! We don't like that. I know, I know that you didn't see that on Facebook this week, this verse. Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and that those who see will become blind. We'll get to that in just a moment. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? What are we blind to? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now you claim, you claim, you claim you can see. So your guilt remains. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, you are deceived. You are deceived. You think you can see, but you can't see. Understand this. The religious weren't stupid. They were some of the smartest people on the planet. People rejecting Jesus is not a stupidity issue. We have some of the most brilliant minds in the world that reject Jesus. There's also a lot of brilliant minds in the world that receive Jesus. It's not an issue of smart. It's an issue of blindness. They were deceived. And because they were blind, they were bound Get this, Jesus even performs miracles in front of them. <laughs> I mean, the evidence is there. I mean, Jesus has given them every reason to trust him. And they're like, nope, he's not the Christ. 
He's not the Christ. Why? Because they're stupid? But Because they can't see? No, because they're deceived. Because blinders are bonders. And they were bound up in their system, in their ideology, in their mindset. They were bound up because they couldn't see. Blinders are bonders. And this is the thing. Unlike the man that Jesus healed, they weren't born blind. They weren't born blind. Let's, let's give a little grace <laughs> to the religious people for a minute. I don't know if that's hard. But let's give a little grace. They weren't born blind. They weren't born bound. They didn't know that they were missing out on Jesus. They thought they were right. They thought they were completely right. They were well-studied. They were well-schooled. They had deep conviction. Paul said, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. I was, I, man, I was into this thing. I had great zeal. I was super passionate, but I was super wrong. Their intentions, listen, their intentions were pure. They thought what they were doing was right, but they were totally wrong. They were totally off. Beloved, I can tell you that your intentions don't really matter that much if it's still wrong. If you're still wrong, it doesn't matter how well-intended you were. We're not going to stand before God and him go, well, you had good intentions, but you led a lot of people astray. How many know that they weren't always deceived? They weren't always deceived. They got deceived. They bought in. The, the problem with deception is it really is deceiving, right? You never know. You never know you're in the dark. You never know. If you were born blind, you wouldn't know it any other way. Sight is not a, a thing to you. They didn't start out as deceivers. They just started out deceived. So what my hope for you today is that you would reject deception. That if you're in any kind of deception, little deception, because the problem with little deception is it becomes big, deception grows. Little deception becomes big deception, especially when we justify it and we're not, we're not holding ourselves to the Word of God. I, I remember in about 2012, my house got broke into. It was a Sunday night, huh? 2001? Leslie remembers. I was, I was single, but hey, Lord is working. So I was, uh, I went to uh, do our leadership gathering. We were youth pastors. I went and did our leadership gathering, and I came home. I left my computer on the bed. So when I walked in the door, I remember this feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Like you walk in, you're like, somebody's been here. Like this feels, it feels weird. Like things, something's not right. And I remember walking into my bedroom, and I, the first thing I noticed was my computer wasn't there. on that thing. And then I remember going into my restroom and seeing that there was some, you know, like polo cologne or something. <laughs> you know, some whatever the cologne of the day was. And I remember turning on the lights and searching the house and, you know, ho kind of hoping nobody was there. But if they were there, there was going to be a problem. And I was going to kick their butt out. Holy, of course, uh, holy willy. Like Jesus cleared the temples Remove the thieves and robbers from my house. But I remember how I felt. I, I, when you think of thieves, you think, you think of them being sneaky and mysterious. You think of a hidden identity. 
You think of things that happen at night in the dark, right? This is just our mindset because we know this mystery and the hidden of thieves. They don't show up announced. They don't, they don't go, hey, we're gonna, about 10 o'clock tonight, I'm going to break into your house and steal your stuff. Great, I'll make sure and be there, right? Or not. <laughs> or, or go get me a firearm before I get there. <laughs> Come on, somebody. All the gun carriers, amen. And, all right. But I remember that I felt so tricked and so duped and so violated and felt deceived. Why did I feel deceived? Because I was deceived. Someone deceived me. Someone knew I wasn't going to be home. They got into my house and they took my stuff. How many know that Satan is a deceiver? It's what he is. It's his nature. It's built into him. Jesus says this about Satan, that he is the father of lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a fat lie. Did you know the first time that we, that we read of Satan is in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, and you know what the very first thing that he does is? He deceives Adam and Eve, and he, and he says this. He questions God. Did God really say? Some of y'all heard that this week. Some of y'all heard it this morning. Did God really say that? Did God really say? The way for you to answer that question is for you to get into the Word of God and see what God said. That's, that's how you know. Does it, does it line up? Does it check the boxes? 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, that Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light. Listen, just because it feels good doesn't mean it's not the devil. You think it's going to show up on the devil? I mean, you really think in the, in the Garden of Eden, you think Eve was like, oh, you know, you know oh, I'm so, the crafty serpent, you know, which, I mean, now we're scared of snakes, but there was just another animal for them at that time. It's another creature. And here he is. Hey, he always comes up appealing you. He always, he always comes up attractive. He masquerades as an angel of light. He's deceiving. He's trying to trick you. He's trying to get you in just because it feels good. Doesn't mean it's God. So if Satan's a deceiver, we also understand this about God, that God's an exposer. <laughs> oh, have you ever been exposed for something you were doing wrong? You ever got caught? Anybody? Am I the only one? <laughs> Somebody like, you know? <laughs> have you ever have you ever been busted? And you remember like remember all the guilt and the shame that you experienced before you got busted? But when you got busted, even though you were embarrassed. You were kind of like, somebody knows. Somebody knows. Now I can get help. Sometimes the best thing for you to happen is to just get busted. And God likes to bust us. Not like physically, but he busted the devil. All right. But God's an exposer. He brings things to light. It says this, that he is light, that he dwells in unapproachable light. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 9, verse 39. For judgment I have come into this world. What does Jesus mean? Did he come to judge us? Yes. Listen, the Bible doesn't tell you not to judge. The world will tell you that. The Bible tells you how to judge. 
Because you make judgments every day. You made a judgment on what you were going to wear today. Somebody's wearing Dallas Cowboy stuff today, but I'm not going to point them out. That was, in their eyes, a good judgment. <laughs> right? Somebody, somebody decided to get out of bed this morning when the, when the alarm went off and got here at church on time. Yeah, come on. You made a judgment. You decided. You made a judgment when you chose to take that job. Judgment isn't a bad thing. It's the position of your heart when you do it. And so Jesus, first of all, is the only one that really has the right to judge all things. He, said, he didn't come to bring a condemning judgment, but a righteous judgment. To discern between what is right and true and what is a lie. If you don't, listen, if you don't learn how to judge and discern things properly, you will always buy into lies. So how do we defeat deception? Let me help you. You okay? We'll get through this. Number one, just like I did that night, you turn the light on. You turn the light on. Turn the light on to what God says. John chapter 8, 31, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth turns the light on. How familiar, are, how familiar are you, beloved, with what God says? How familiar are you with what God says? I, I, there's this meme going around that I really hate. It's okay. There's a lot of memes I like. I'm kind of a junkie for them. I should have showed you a few today, but we don't have time. I'll, I'll laugh again. Ha ha. There's this meme going around. It says, God says, you've seen it. God says, yada, yada, yada. No scripture reference. But it's almost always like this kind of feel-good, kind of catering to you. You guys seen those? God says, no, no listen, there, some of those things are right. But I've seen some of them, I'm like, well, in, his, in the Bible, it says something like totally different than that. God didn't say that. Somebody said that God said that. The person that said that God said that is deceived. They need to turn the light on. I think they're not very familiar with what God actually says. We've got this crisis that we need to deal with living in the information age. We need the truth, the truth of God's Word. You may have searched Google. You may have Googled it, but did you got it? You Googled it, but did you, you searched Google, but did you search God? Did you search God on the matter? Did you search God out on the job that you're going to take? Did you search God on the person you're going to enter a relationship with? Did you search God before you made the foolish decisions that you made last week? You didn't search God. That's why you made them. But his sheep listen and follow. And one of the problems that we have is because we all love validation. I love validation. I love it when I'm right. I love it when, when I was like, when I get the thumbs up, when I get the amen, you know, or the, the thumb up like or whatever. I love it. I love validation just like you. I love it. But for us, many of us, we value agreement and validation or our opinion more than we value being exposed to the truth. And listen, I value that. I value my own opinion. I'm very opinionated. You know that already. You've been here for, you know, a little while today. 
I want my opinion confirmed. I want it affirmed. I want to be right, just like you. I want to be right. Josh loves being right. Absolutely. I definitely don't want to be wrong, especially about God. But you know what I want more than being right or than being, my opinion being confirmed? I want my opinion to be correct. That's what I want more. I want to be right, really right, not just right in my quote-unquote opinion. I want my opinion to be correct. So, turn the light on, being familiar with what God says, and then follow through on what God says. The problem with the religious people, listen, in Jesus' day, they knew what God said. They weren't, but they had missed, listen, they missed the heart of the law. Jesus told them that. He's like, you, you're doing all this stuff, you're putting putting bondage on people, you're expecting, you're not helping them, you, you miss the weightier issues of the law, stuff like mercy, stuff like justice. You're, you're missing those things. And so they were ignoring those things. And what happened? Their conscience got seared and they bought into deception. That's why it's so important for you not to just hear the word and live your life. This is what it says, James chapter 122, do not merely listen to the word. Don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Because we have a lot of listeners in the body of Christ. A lot of people that like to listen to the Word of God. A lot of people that like the verse of the day, Word of the God. But they're not really into the Word of God. Listen, I'm all about the verse of the day. But you need more than just a Bible verse. You need to know the meaning. You need to, you need to be a student of the Word of God. Well, the Bible's hard for me to read. Have you tried reading it? No, because it's hard for me to read. Well, you, the only way you're going to get better is to get in it. We're, we're in love with the motivational speech word of God, right? Let's just, let's go to Hobby Lobby. Let's get up for, I know the plan. You don't even know, do you even know the background of that scripture? You got it on your wall. Do you even know? Well, judge not, lest you be judged. Do you even know that? I can do all things. Do you know what that means? Apparently you don't because I saw how you applied it. Listen, he didn't just give the word of God to lift you. He gave the word of God to lead you. And beloved, if you will follow his leadership, you will experience more lifting. But get into the leadership of Jesus. Don't just listen to what he says. Don't just post. You know, those things, they feel so good. Great. Allow it to lead your life. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Leadership. The leadership of Jesus. So turn the light on. Number two, search your house. Search your house. What is in your house? Is there a thief in your house? I think if we're being honest, we all have a few thieves hiding out in our house. And every once in a while, they come out and they rob us of things. Are you deceived? Are your views bent on being fringe or rebellious? We, we, when we used to youth pastor, we like, you know, music scene was real heavy and like, 2000, you had all these like kids that were like straight edge. You, some of y'all like grew up like, yeah, yeah, there's all those kids. Yeah, the whole scene kids and the whole thing. The whole gamut, right? We, were, we like ministered to those people. Some kids were following Jesus just simply because it was edgy. You know what? They're not following Jesus anymore. You know why? Because their motivation was to be fringe or rebellious. Do you, are, do you, do you thrive off being controversial? You might have a rebellion problem. Nothing will get you deceived like that. Are your views bent, um, or I'm sorry, are you carrying around misunderstandings? The only way 
The only way that you will remain in misunderstanding is if you don't go to the person that you misunderstood. You don't even know that you misunderstood. You just stood, right? So what you need to do is if you're offended, you need to go. We'll talk about offense later on in this series. You need to go and you need to have a conversation with the person that you have the tension with. That's the only way. Or you can walk around with your misunderstanding. You, you might totally be off base. You might not know anything. That person could have meant the most loving thing, and you took it the most hateful way. How are you going to deal with that? Are your feelings, and this is the third one, are your feelings the sense in which you view reality? Well, I feel this way. Beloved, fact check your feelings. Fact check your feelings. Search your heart. Y'all have heard it say that the facts don't care about your feelings, right? Have y'all heard that? Facts don't care. About, it's true. Facts, facts are facts. It doesn't matter how you feel about them. They are facts. But let me tell you what, God does care about your feelings. And let me give you a little grace on this and say this, that God gave you feelings. All the feels, he gave them to you. And they're very powerful. God does not have a problem. God is emotional. But many have confused emotions with reality. I feel this way, therefore it must be this way. No, no, no. Listen, feelings are the seasoning of life, not the meat. Feelings are the seasoning of life. Are there any substance in seasoning? No, it sure does taste good. Should just make me experience that meat a little bit better, but there's no nutritional value. So feelings are important. It needs to be there. Trust me, to eat that whole steak, I need some seasoning on there. Not too much. But a little bit. Don't cook it too much either, right? Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know it's lunchtime. All right. That always happens right about now. Listen, I am not a Christian because of the way it makes me feel or because of the life I experience or the life that it provides for me. I'm not a Christian for those reasons. I'm a Christian because its narrative is true. I'm a Christian because it is the clearest, most accurate view of reality. That's why I'm a Christian. That's why I'm not something else. I Because it's true. Not because I feel a certain way. Does trusting in that truth make me feel a certain way? Absolutely. Some days I'm ecstatic. Other days, it's hard. And some days it's really difficult because I'm like, man, I have to trust God even though I don't really feel like it today. So God is not mostly concerned about your feelings. He's more interested in your feelings being accurate than being good. And feelings are best served based on perspective. And let me suggest this one more thing about feelings. Don't ignore feelings. Don't ignore them. Don't just suppress them. Don't ignore them. But understand this, that they are great servants, but terrible masters. They're great servants. They're they're there to serve you. Your emotions are there to serve you. They're not there to lead you. They're not there. They're not there to lead you. You got the word of God to lead you. Number three, identify the culprits. Identify the culprits. So there's thieves in the house, right? We've got to identify them. That's the thief. That's the lie I've been believing. You're not important. You're not valuable. You're not smart. You're not solid. You're immature. Labels. Right? Identify those lies. Why do I feel this way? was because when you were three years old, your dad left, and you haven't seen him since then. That's why you have daddy issues. That's the reason why you have man issues. 
and you're a man. Or you're a woman. Identify the lies. Search the Word of God. Scripture tells us that the Word discerns the attitudes and the intentions of the heart. Pray. Be objective. Ask those around you. Get, listen, beloved, it is so important for you to get around people that you trust, that know the Lord, that you can just say, listen, let me just process with you what I'm feeling right now. I'm just, th- th- this is something that is on my mind like 90% of the time. Am I the only one that has issues that like th- there's, there's stuff that's always kind of like plaguing? Am I the only one? Am I the only one that feels crazy sometimes? Like, we're going to get over this. We're going to quit thinking about this. Talk to somebody that you trust. Don't, but don't talk to everybody. That's a problem. I've just identified the problem for you. You tell everybody. So nobody wants to be around you because you're a drainer. Complainers are drainers. All right. Identify the culprit. Listen. Identify the culprits. Don't identify with them. So this is what we do. I struggle with anxiety. You say it just like that. I struggle with anxiety. I don't suffer from anxiety anxiety. Because anxiety really doesn't have a place in my life. Does it sometimes get in there and interrupt stuff? Yeah, it does. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But you've got to change your language. Because what we do, this is, I I had a conversation after first service. Young woman came up to me and she said, I used to say my anxiety. You don't own that. You, 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 you identify, is it anxiety? Yeah, it's identity. The reason why I'm depressed because I'm suffering from anxiety because I feel like everything, because I'm a perfectionist. Okay, you're not a perfectionist, but you, you struggle with sometimes being a perfectionist. You're a child of God. That's your identity. And listen, Jesus is re-identifying you. Jesus is relabeling you. The problem, listen, the problem with labels is labels limit. I'm ADD. I'm PhD. I'm, <laughs> that might be a good one. I've seen people be limited by that too. Um, whatever initial, we got so many labels. There's so many dysfunction. Everything, everybody's on the chart. Everybody's got something. Every, everybody's medicated. We're just all walking around depending upon this system to fix our issues. Just dope up on it. How about you label it? And then let's kick it out of the house. How about let's find the culprit and let's get rid of it. So the, the reason that you're labeling the culprits is so that you can reject them. So that you can reject them. So that you can go, you know what that is? That's why. And you have no right in my life. So stop listening. Come on, babe. Stop listening. And kick them out. Stop listening to the lies. Stop listening to the labels. Call out the culprit and just tell it, you're not welcome here. Depression, you're not welcome here. Anxiety, you don't have any right in my life. You got to come through the gate. You got to come through Jesus. You're not welcome here. Sickness, you're not welcome here. Well, I've got a heretic, you're not welcome here. I'm new in Christ. I'm a new creation. The old things are gone. The new has come. 
Well, I have a genetic dis. All your dysfunctions, all your disorders, all the labels. You need a label so you can reject it, not so you can embrace it. Don't listen. Don't embrace the culprit. Don't embrace the thief. Don't embrace the robber. Embrace the Lord.